Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Joe Picks an NFL Team. In this podcast, we're going to go through all 32 NFL teams, and Joe is going to rate them on various uh, different metrics to figure out which team he should support this season. And the first team for this week's podcast is the Los Angeles Chargers, which in their former home, San Diego, was Joe's team for his entire life. But now that they're based in Los Angeles, well, we'll have to see if they're worthy of Joe's support. As I uh, have told you previously, Dan, that this is a great opportunity for me to find a new team. I've, uh, you know, gone along with the joy and the uh, utter horror of being a Charger fan for my whole life. And, uh, now, uh, you know, most people don't get the chance to pick a new team, but I think that uh, just like the San Diego Chargers no longer exist, now there's this new team, the Los Angeles Chargers, and just like every other team, uh, I think they deserve a fair shot at my fandom and to be evaluated under the criteria that we've come up with. A clean slate. Yeah, that's right. And Joe, how do we start every episode? All right, well, Dan, tell me about this drink that we're drinking. You've come up with a drink that uh, you feel represents the LA Chargers. So uh, tell me about it. Well, you're bearing the lead, Joe. For this podcast, every episode, we are going to pick a drink we believe represents either the city or the team in question, and we are both going to be drinking it. So for this episode, both you and I have a Moscow Mule. The Moscow Mule was a drink invented in Los Angeles in 1942. And according to the Copper Development Association, was the most popular drink in the U.S. during the 1950s and the early 1960s. Let me just say, though, I feel like the copper industry has like a vested interest in this being a popular drink. I don't Absolutely. Know, I, I don't know if, they're, if they can be a trusted source on the issue of the popularity of the Moscow Mule. The history of the Moscow Mule is well connected with the fact that it's commonly drank out of a copper mug, which seems uh, one... Uh, historical thing I read was just that a bar had a bunch of ginger beer and a bunch of vodka, which people weren't drinking back then, and decided to combine them just to like get rid of some excess stock. And then the drink was born. I feel like you got all of your information on like copperpedia.com. Well, I got the main part of it. <laughs> but and another important thing is in the late heyday of the Moscow Mule, during the early 1960s, was also the only time the team we're talking about today won a championship. Unfortunately, that was the AFL and not the NFL. And and like the Moscow Mule, the Chargers were originally invented in Los Angeles. That's true. So They you know, played their first season in 1960 as the Los Angeles Chargers, where they lost the AFL championship. All right, well, it doesn't really matter how they did. Let's not go into that, but... Sure. Well, that's pretty good. There were only eight teams, but hey, they made it to the finals, and they made it to the finals again in 1961. Then they won the AFL championship in 1963, lost it in 64 and 65, and then I believe it was another 39 years before they came even close to winning a Super Bowl in which they were blown out by the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, and we don't have to relive all that. Let me uh, take a healthy swig of this drink while you remind me of our uh, epic Super Bowl loss. Well, I think we can uh, move into the we've, – we've got the basic overview on. We can start moving into the metrics, which we have. 
and or which you have you've hand selected these 12 well i guess 11 metrics well we'll see as the podcast goes on how many of them stick so without further ado let's move into number one which i would say is combined with number two you don't want to root for a team that's too good and you don't want to root for a team that's too bad. So can you just, and we're in intro episode, explain sort of what you're going yeah, for Yeah, this here. is the first episode. Let me tell you uh, what this criteria means to me. So, you know, if I'm picking a new team, I don't think I want a team that is already great. And, you know, what I mean by this is like, let's say the team that I were to pick wins the Super Bowl next year. I want that to be something that is exciting that feels brand new, that feels like a breakthrough. So if the team's already great, if they're already winning championships left and right, that feels to me like they're too good. Like I picked a team where there's not an excitement or any element of surprise to them winning. Okay, but what about the alternative? You don't want a team that's too bad. Well, look, I mean, I've been a Charger fan my whole life. <laughs> It'd be nice to get a break and actually root for a team that has a chance at winning. Uh, so so I think the flip side of that is, you know, I... I um, yeah, you know, it'd be pretty, pretty uh, disappointing to sign up for a one fifteen season. All right. Well, this leads us into our first segment, which is I have done uh, extensive research into is a team too good or too good, too bad, and I'm going to let you guess to see sort of where this team shakes out versus the rest of the NFL. So, in the past ten years, there are three metrics: the win percentage the number of times they've made the playoffs, and the number of times they have won a playoff game. And I want you to guess, are the Chargers in the top third of the NFL, the middle third of the NFL, or the bottom third of the NFL for those three metrics Okay, over the past 10 years? Past 10 years, and it's the three metrics are win percentage, win percentage playoff victories, and how many times they've made the playoffs in those And how many years. times they've made the playoffs. Okay, I am going to... Uh, 10, 10 years, 10 years. Okay. So, you know, I'm going to go with the, the way that my, my, my soul feels about the San Diego Chargers. And I'm going to say that, uh, that we, uh, are in the bottom third in the last 10 years, in the last decade. Of all, there are three different ones, Joe. You've got to say <laughs> win percentage. <laughs> oh, oh I, have to, I have to say for each one. That's right. Mm. Joe, you, you're purported to be a great NFL fan. Well, Dan, as you, as you know, I, I'm a fan, but I know very little about the NFL. All right. We're going to do it one by one. All right. Win percentage. Top third, middle third, bottom third. The win percentage, I believe that we are in the middle third. Okay. Made the playoffs over the past 10 years. Top third, middle third, bottom third. I believe we are in the bottom third. Playoff game wins. Definitely the bottom third. Joe. Terrible. You are one out of three. You are in the bottom third of getting these answers correct. Over the past 10 years, the Chargers sport a 51.9% win percentage, which puts them squarely in the middle of the NFL. They are 15th place. In those past 10 years, they've made the playoffs four times which puts them squarely in the middle again. There were, uh, they're tied for 10th place with 10 teams that all made the playoffs four times. So just right in the you know, juicy part of the curve there. And they've won 
four playoff games over the past 10 years, which actually puts them 12th in the NFL. So they are in the middle third, but just barely. They really were just one more playoff game went away from being in that top third. You know, you know, you know, I know I was like technically wrong here, but let me just say that as as a former Charger fan, you know, they feel like a bottom third team in a lot of these categories. And, you know, you know, this uh, they have the dubious distinction this past season of having both beaten the NFC champions, the Atlanta Falcons and the only team that lost to the Browns. I can tell you as a fan, as a fan, you remember the loss to the Browns a lot more than you remember the victory over the Falcons. I can imagine. Their success was sort of heavily weighted uh, towards maybe the 5 to 10 year region. Because in the past five years, they are their win percentage is 25th in the NFL at 42%. They've only made the playoffs one out of the past five years. And they've won a lone one playoff game. Although, which, by the way, is more than my Washington professional football team has won in the past 10 years. So even when your team is bad, at least they still win a playoff game. Yeah, I think that downturn is called the uh, North Turner effect as a technical technical term. (laughs) Um, So uh, what's in the past 10 years, just to add a little more context to this before you give your ratings, their peak... um, Basically, probably as a franchise in the NFL was between 2006 and 2009. At that point, they made the playoffs all four of those years. They had the third highest win percentage in the entire NFL over a four-year span. They were only behind the Colts, who were number one, and the Patriots, who were number two. And they won three playoff games. And they blew a playoff game in their 14-2 and season, uh, which... They didn't even win a single playoff game in their best season. Yeah, and Marty Schottenheimer got fired for it after going 14-2. and two. Kind of incredible. Yes. yes. So uh, this team is basically as about middle of the road as I think you can get for an NFL team you're looking to support. They've had, in the past 10 years, they've had years where they've been the number one seed in the NFL, and they've had years where they've been awful. And most of those years have been uh, in the recent past. So let's see, in your rating system, what are you going to give this for team not too good or not too bad? Well, uh, you know, you know, I, I think that there's a good argument to be made, as you're saying, that the Chargers are right down the middle of both categories. They're not too good. They're not too bad. Uh, but every season they have tends to end in uh, soul-crushing disappointment. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you know, I think based on the uh, information you're giving me, you'd, you, you'd want to give them five points right in the middle of not too good and five points right in the middle of not too bad. But uh, given the recent years um, have been worse than the past 10 years, I'm going to say that they are uh, slightly worse on the on the too bad scale so there are five on the too good but maybe i i'm gonna only give them three points on the on the not too bad they might be a little too bad for what i'm looking for they're verging on too bad all right our first two ratings are in the book since we have not actually done any of the other teams we have well i mean joe you have your own system cooked up i have no idea if these are good or bad rings i have no idea if you're going to be like the you know russian figure skating judge you're going to be like the swedish one yeah, I mean, 
I mean, I have no idea either. We're gonna we're gonna have to go along and see whether this is a good score this time or not. You know, we're not gonna know until a few podcasts in for sure. Okay. Number three on the scale. Does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? Ooh, I mean, Joe? I can tell you right off the bat, if uh, if the Chargers still had Mike McCoy or Norv Turner, uh, it would be a uh, solid zero in this category. But they have a new head coach who I know nothing about. What is the new head coach's name, Mr. Okay. Huge Football okay. Fan? Hold on. Hold on. It is Lynn. L-Y-N-N. That's correct. The head coach of the charge, so I'm going to give you a little background about this as coach. I think sometimes when we do it, we'll both have a huge, uh, you know, we'll have a long understanding of who the head coach is. But in this case, you've already said you know nothing about him. I knew nothing about him. I could not have named him before researching this. Okay, Anthony Lynn. He has had quite the meteoric rise to head coaching or to the head coaching job of the now Los Angeles Chargers. Five month, Five months ago... He was the running backs coach for the Buffalo Bills. And <laughs> oh, man. when the Buffalo Bills defense, well. when the Buffalo Bills defense was doing terribly, Rex Ryan decided to fire his offensive coordinator and made Anthony Lynn the offensive coordinator. Uh, he is supposedly a uh, running game expert, and I have no idea how well he did with the Bills, but when Rex Ryan was fired, he became the interim coach, I think, for a game or two. Uh, and then in the off season, he was hired as the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. For again, I have no idea why, but presumably they like him, or presumably whatever skills he brings, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are excited to pivot to. And those are here, based on the articles I've read, he is described as a running back guru, a hard nosed coach who will hold his players accountable, a great motivator, not a strategist. And players love to play for him. Is this the type of coach you want in the team you're rooting for? Well, you know, you know, I as you were talking, I just looked up rushing yards for the 2016 season, and shockingly, Buffalo leads yards per game for the 2016 season. I I would have had no idea. Uh, if you look back at his history, this is why they call him the running back guru. He's over the past like 10 years. He's just, you put him in places or he's in places and uh, the running backs, I mean, it's just a list of like so many top running backs in the NFL, but it's, you know, it's not really a running back heavy league or at least the top team, certainly. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I, I don't think the chargers, um, are particularly built to be a run first team. We have a great running back, uh, but not not a great line. And uh, obviously, our our biggest strength is is a quarterback. So, um, you know, I I think that uh, I'm definitely intrigued by Lynn. I mean, all this stuff about being hard nosed motivator or whatever. Like, I think, you know. What are they going to say? Like, oh, he doesn't really motivate people. But we think he's going to be a good coach. Like, you say that about every head coach when they get hired. So that that's kind of meaningless. But, you know, you, you kind of are intrigued by a guy who has such a uh, steep ascent. And, uh, you know, obviously he's doing something right to get um, – to have maybe like a bit of an unorthodox path. Um, but – I'll say the biggest knock against him is that the Chargers hired him, and they've not been—they've not had the greatest track record in their coach decision making over the last uh, ten years. Um, so, 
you know, you know, I don't think I don't think in fairness to him, I don't think there's anything that we can do to say, you know, he has not proven that he is incompetent. And I in rooting for a team, I've I'm so conditioned to accept bad coaching. I don't need uh, you know, a a genius to be my head coach. I just want someone who is meeting a minimum threshold of confidence. And I I feel like uh, the jury is still out on Lynn. So I, I'm going to give him a 5 out of 10 for this category. All right. Unproven, but meteoric rise. Split in the middle. All right. Moving right along to number 4. Is the team evil? Now, this is... A broad category. It's a big. It's a really big question. Could define so many things. I mean, what I what like, is evil? Does evil even exist, Dan? So, <laughs> I have looked into. You know, when I think of a team being evil or not being evil, I always think of the players, and I think of have the players done things that would make it difficult to root for them. Now, there are issues with the owners, but. Spoiler, we're going to get to those a little bit later. So I really focused on the players for this question. And I researched the, uh, let's say, the um, disagreements with the law of various NFL players on various NFL teams. Okay, I like it. Thank you to, by the way, the USA Today, which has kept a comprehensive log of every time an NFL player has uh, made an infraction and recorded it, which allows me to ask the same questions I asked before, but uh, about arrests. So I'm going to ask you two questions. Okay. I want bottom third. So by the way, USA third. Today is basically just running like a police blotter for the NFL. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. It's incredible. You can't look at it though now because it would spoil later episodes. I mean, but next time they leave it on my doorstep. At a hotel, I'll have to continue. I'll have to continue to ignore it. <laughs> okay, since the year two thousand, so I've asked you two questions. Since the year two thousand, when they started this uh, NFL crime blotter, and in the past five years, all right, is the Los Angeles Chargers in the top third of breaking the law, the middle third, or the bottom third? Are they are they a good team? A really, you know, their people are breaking the law all the time, or are they just middle of the road? So, so since 2000 first and then in the past five years in the past five years okay okay you know you know you know I'm just gonna say for both I I feel like maybe this is my former fan uh, hat but like I feel like the chargers are in the bottom third I think they're a pretty uh pretty low-key team in terms of problems like that and you know I know way back in the day we had Terrence Keel who was like smuggling drugs in from Mexico which seems like a problem uh, but uh but that that uh i don't I, I can't think of the charges being in the news a lot for issues like that so i'm gonna say bottom third for both is my guess okay and that means they're like not breaking the law. no that they're right if i'm understanding they're not they're they're a good all right joe big super fan okay let's uh, hear it. so what's in the past five years the chargers are number one in the league for the least times breaking the law. See, there you, you go. Down. All in right. In the past five years, right. they've had, well, the the San Diego Chargers had one incident in the past five years, and it, w- it wasn't even really that bad. Although this is the stuff where 
this is where we're going to talk about things now. Now, is it, us from is, it, elected office. Is, it, is it possible, though, Dan, real quick, just a clarifying question. This is just arrest. So is it possible that law enforcement are just ignoring the chargers as as does the rest of the country most of the time? Well, you when you read this uh, <laughs> blotter of all of the teams, you see a lot of uh, arrests and a lot of charges or a lot of, um, you know, incidents. But you see very few people actually get convicted of anything. So well, I think it, it is possible that the uh, San Diego Police Department is in cahoots. But uh, it, I think uh, it seems that they are they just. Haven't gotten into much trouble in the past five years. Well, However, well, the LAPD is well known for their restraint, so obviously that move won't won't hurt that at all. Okay, all right, well, sorry, what in, were you saying? In, incidentally, the lot the San Diego Chargers had one incident in the past five years. The LA Chargers have existed for one month, and one of their players already had an incident there you go. in LA. There you go. Uh, but since two thousand, they are middle of the road, so they're uh, you know, t- you know, r- basically right about the middle, and um, you know, just to highlight something about the team i've picked what i believe is the worst crime on record for the team in the crime blog okay yeah let's hear it um so their worst basically person on the team was from the early 2000s who was a guy named leonardo carson who appeared on the crime blotter four separate times he was charged with four crimes and arrested twice uh, his final one was, this is a quote from the crime blotter, on leave from team to attend his grandfather's funeral, he was accused of breaking into a woman's apartment and assaulting her in Mobile, Alabama. He eventually got 30 days in jail for this crime. So he was charged, he was convicted. Uh, after this happened, so this happened in the offseason, he still played five more games with the Chargers in the 2003 season, but was eventually waived. And you'd imagine with such a crime on the record no team would pick him up but no he was picked up uh <laughs> two weeks later by the dallas cowboys and played the rest of that season for the cowboys and the entire next season with the cowboys even among, amid a jail sentence yeah i like that the chargers had to take five games to uh decide to whether or not to waive uh someone who had assaulted no, a woman it, uh, it was a different time though yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah well, i actually read more about it i think he's sort of like kidnapped her but it's complicated but anyways i would say all things considered uh that's it as far as crime goes i think the players on the charger certainly in the recent history and if not to the whole um ever since this crime board is there they haven't really done anything too heinous yeah no i mean i think i think chargers are doing great in this category um We'll see how the move to L.A. I mean, L.A. seems like uh, a city with more temptation, more uh, potentiality for crime. You know, San Diego in many ways is kind of a sleepy town. So um, but for now, I think uh, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Wow. I mean, look, the number one team in the past five years are staying out of trouble. Yeah, totally. All right. Moving right along. You this one is where we're starting to get into the personal life of Joe. So yeah. you don't want to root a team for a team that your friend Rob roots for. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and the more that Rob roots for any team, the less I want to root for them. So, you know, for those of you that don't know Rob, and you know Rob, Dan. He's in our fantasy. Rob league. might actually be our only listener. 
it's, it's we're basically podcasting to Rob. Uh, so <laughs> Rob, you know, I love Rob. He's a good friend, kind of a dick. Let me give you an example. Uh, Wait, this is our only listener. Can't you just say something nice about him? Well, I, I said he's my friend. He's also a dick. He knows it. It's fine. Let me give you an example. So I asked Rob as part of this exercise to know, uh, you know, whether or not I'm rooting for a team that Rob roots for. I asked Rob to list all the teams in order from his favorite team to his least favorite team that he roots for. Uh, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I did some research here. Uh, he proceeds to list every team by their team name. Packers, the Seahawks, the Patriots, etc. Until he gets to the Chargers on the list, in which case he has to specify the LA Chargers, knowing, of course, how much that breaks my heart. That's just a, an example of the subtle dickishness of Rob. So I asked him to rank them, and the Chargers are right in the middle, 17th on this list of 32 teams. So, so right smack dab in the middle. I asked him for... Uh, his thoughts on the Chargers, and he says, Chargers are entertaining because of their offense and their habit for blowing games badly. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> nice little dig there. So uh, it's, it is, You can't argue. It is true. It's absolutely true, and uh, I, I appreciate Rob pointing that out. So, you know, I think right in the middle. I mean, I think I think uh, Chargers are uh, 5 out of 10 for, for, for Rob, Rob fandom. All right. Number six, is it a city I would enjoy visiting to go to a game? Now, if they were still the San Diego Chargers, of course, you'd have a wealth of experience. But I, Joe, how many times have you been to L.A.? Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up in San Diego, uh, obviously, I don't live in San Diego now. Um, but uh, but growing up in San Diego, you know, you kind of feel like you don't love L.A. You're, you're, you're in L.A.'s shadow a little bit. Uh but now that I've moved to Seattle, uh, I can definitely appreciate going to L.A. It's a, it's a fun city. It has uh, has a lot of culture, a lot to offer, uh, obviously beautiful weather. So so I think, um, you know, L.A. is a great city to visit. Uh, if, if I didn't have an emotional sadness about the uh, Chargers being there, I think it would be a fun place to go watch a football game. So... Uh, you know, I think I think L.A. rates pretty high, and I think uh, had you asked me this question maybe a decade ago when I lived in San Diego, I would have felt differently because um, you're kind of conditioned to hate L.A. as a San Diegan. But now I think uh, you know it's right up there. I'd put it maybe at a seven out of ten. Nah, interesting. See, I did one little bit of research. I of course used to live in L.A. I went to USC. And I looked at how long it would take to get from where I lived at USC to the stadium where they play, which is the StubHub Center, which is, was formerly the Home Depot Center or something, which is where the LA Galaxy play. And it said that it is an 18-minute drive that would take me 38 minutes oh. in traffic. And so that you know encapsulates what I feel about LA. You know, you know actually, you bring up a good point, though. Because they don't really play in L.A. yet. They play in Carson, right? That's where the Stub Arena is. Well, wherever they're going to play. If they're not playing in the L.A. Coliseum, they're not going to be playing in somewhere that's, I mean, accessible to where I lived in downtown. All right. Yeah. Let's keep it at a seven. It's a seven. Look, Joe, don't let me sway you. This is. I mean, isn't the whole point feel? of this podcast for you to sway me? 
No, the whole point of this is to get on record. I'm just providing it the impartial research. All right. Okay. Okay. Number seven. Now, this one, this is as uh, as statistical as it gets. Does the team have a player or players I could put on my fantasy roster? So I did research on the team, and I found that uh, the San Diego Chargers have certainly multiple fantasy-relevant players. Uh, The most relevant player by far, and somebody that, especially with this new running back guru coach, might be taken high or low first round high second round in many drafts is your running back melvin gordon uh this year he was the eighth best fantasy running back and i assume that there's no reason he wouldn't be higher next year um philip rivers and uh tyrell williams i mean of course your number one wide receiver was injured what in the first game or something yeah that typically happens yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that so, sounds right. Philip Rivers and Tyrell Williams were both the 13th best in their category. Philip Rivers, 13th best fantasy quarterback, right on the borderline of anybody starting him week in, week out. But he's probably on somebody's bench. And Tyrell Williams, 13th best fantasy wide receiver. He's probably uh, starting for somebody, certainly owned by somebody. Your uh, You had two relevant tight ends, Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry, who are the 10th and 11th best tight ends in fantasy so you you certainly got something to choose from in fantasy but i wouldn't say you've got any uh it's certainly not a a powerhouse team but but there are a few options yeah no i think i think uh you think about the chargers and i think uh melvin gordon is right up there in uh not just a guy who makes sense to own on a fantasy team but is like a fun guy to watch week in and week out fun fun player to like like you know if you're if you're flipping through the channels and you want to watch someone on your fantasy team playing, I think Melvin Gordon's right up there. Cause I think that's, you know, that's the key here. Isn't just whether or not there would be like a value player to own, but whether or not there's someone who you could actually watch and feel like, uh, you know, would be fun. So I think, I think the charges are, are right up there, but you are right. There's not like a ton of players on the chargers who fit the fantasy um, model. So, so, you know, I would, I would maybe put them right Right on the upper edge of this, maybe like a C grade, so like 77 out of 10. And on we go to number eight. Is the owner a monster? Oh, Joe, I'm sure we're going to have something to say about this one. First, I'll just start this with reading uh, Dean Spanos's letter to the fans, which he wrote about a month ago. Oh, this is going to be painful. Okay, yeah. Have you read this? Uh, I think so. I have a a little bit of uh, PTSD from that period, but yeah. San Diego has been our home for 56 years. It will always be part of our identity, and my family and I have nothing but gratitude and appreciation for the support and passion of our fans or our fans have shared with us over the years. But today, we turn the page and begin an exciting new era as the Los Angeles Chargers. LA is a remarkable place, and while we played our first season there in 1960 and have had fans there ever since, our entire organization knows that we have a tremendous amount of work to do. We must earn the respect and support of L.A. football fans. We must get back to winning. And we must make a meaningful contribution, not just on the field, but off the field as a leader and champion for the community. The Chargers are determined to fight for L.A., and we are excited to get started. Yeah, that's total garbage. Uh, How does that make you feel? That's total garbage. I mean, it's, it's, it's like being stabbed with a thousand knives, but like... Maybe a thousand small knives because time has passed. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's um, 
I like how he mentions San Diego one time and then immediately talks about how got to transition to L.A. And, of course, L.A. doesn't give half a shit about this team. Well, like the idea of like fight for L.A., right, is like admitting like that that you have to prove your relevancy to Los Angeles. <laughs> like like and yeah. and and I mean, after showing after a decade of showing zero desire to fight to actually stay in San Diego, there there is no better word to describe Dean Spanos than a monster. He uh, is a entitled rich kid who inherited the team and his only shot at relevancy was moving into Los Angeles. Uh, part of this is also, you know, is are these rich NFL owners trying to extort money from regular people? And Dean Spanos is like the number one person who has been trying to do this for so long, but failed every time. And the failure was so beautifully done in uh, November when this was voted on. Voters of San Diego had a choice to raise the hotel tax and take that money that, you know, presumably from tourists buying hotels and give it to Dean Spanos to build a fancy new stadium. It required 66% of the vote to pass and it got 43%. It was resoundingly just rejected. A, just a narrow, narrow loss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> narrow, well, I mean, narrow loss. And, and, and you're right. I mean, Dean Spanos is totally the uh, worst, maybe not the worst, but one of the worst offenders in this category. Not only. Was he trying to extort the city for a new stadium? He was trying to do it downtown where people didn't want it because it's a traffic nightmare. They wanted it in the Mission Valley location where, where the Qualcomm Stadium currently is. Uh, so so he, was, he was not only demanding that the city pay for it, but he was doing it in a place that people resoundedly didn't want it to be. Uh, and this is after a long history of, I don't know if you're familiar with the seat guarantee, but uh, where the Chargers, for 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 most of of the '90s and early 2000s, had a seat guarantee with the city that was part of the Qualcomm renovation deal, which meant that any game that wasn't sold out, the city had to buy all those tickets. So there was zero incentive for Dean Spanos to actually have a quality product on the field because. Well, that's this is interesting because I read a thing that was you know was researching why everybody hates Dean Spanos. And somebody said that when they hosted the Super Bowl in, I think, the late 90s, they were forced to add more seats. But it said all of the seats had an obstructed view. So there was something like 20% of the seats in the stadium had an obstructed view. That's totally right. So so the city, for like 10 years, was forced to buy these seats where you're basically looking at a post for the entire game. Now, Like people are saying, if you wanted to buy a seat, you had to like call the ticket off and be like... Can I, like, I would see like the to whole see the field, field with this? <laughs> now, 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 I will say that, like, actually, in a weird way, Dean Spanos's monstrosity actually led to my own Charger fandom because, you know, as you know, Dan, both of my parents were public school teachers, and so the city is just buying these tickets, right? Because they have to buy the, it's part of the deal; they have to buy these tickets, and so they just would give them away to teachers. So, so I actually got to go to a lot of Charger games growing up. Now, of course, I like barely saw the field at any of them. I mean, most of it I was staring at these like large, <laughs> large beams in Qualcomm Stadium. But nonetheless, I, I I could hear the game and I could usually see the jumbotron. So, so going so actually I and and you were one of the few people who had actually watched the game because of course it was blacked out for everybody else. San Diego. No, that was the thing. We never had blackouts because the games were all sold out. They were just the tickets were bought oh, by the city. Right. 
so, so I mean, and when did that end? Uh, well, the Chargers, in part of their bid to get the stadium, I think voluntarily ended because I mean you have to understand like the, this ticket guarantee was like you know least popular thing in all of San Diego. So it's like no, it's no surprise. It's actually surprising to me that they got forty percent of the vote because there was so much, rightfully so, so much animosity towards the Chargers because of this uh, deal that they made with the city. Well, they're gone now. Dean Spanis is a monster. <laughs> Surprised you don't revive one that. out of ten. I, well, I how, mean, he has. How is like, it going to get lower than this? I mean, or is one the lowest? Is there no zero? On no, I mean, there could be a zero. I mean, I the thing is, I I know so little about other NFL owners, and like. Dean Spanos, like to my knowledge, has not like strangled a puppy with his bare hands. So I want to like reserve, you know, some level of of evil for the fact that some owner may sink below Dean Spanos. Yes, they're not the San Diego Redskins. No, I mean that's a great example. I don't want to spoil anything though. All right, on moving on to number nine, rate the uniform and the logo. And I think for this one, they I. Have they shown what the new uniforms look like? I mean, they have a new logo, certainly. That new logo, <laughs> the uh, the L.A. with the lightning bolt was, um, you know, a real winner. Uh, no, I mean, I think the Chargers have some of the best colors in the NFL, especially when they wear their powder blue. I think their uh, their electric blue uniform is really cool this year. Uh, I don't know, um, you know, that new logo that they unveiled when they, um, when they announced their move was such a flop and a joke that I don't... You know, I think they're just going to go back to like the traditional lightning bolt, but I think the Chargers have one of the coolest uh, logos in the NFL. So, if I were impartial, picking a brand new team, never a Charger fan, I still think I would rate them really highly in terms of colors and logos. So, I'm going to say an eight out of ten on this one. Yeah, I think you have some backup. When I was reading about the Chargers in my research, one thing uh, in articles where they were so sad about the move, we're talking about that uh, the Chargers are the best uniform in the NFL, and they're sad that yeah. it's going to become something else. And I would certainly put them at a 10 out of 10 if they would permanently go back to the powder blues. I know. Everybody loves those. And and you know who doesn't? is Dean Spanos. Once again, complete monster. Yeah. Wow. He still gave him a one. Uh, number 10. Do they uh, play a style of play that you, Joe, would enjoy watching? Yeah. Dan, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think... Um, Obviously, I've watched a lot of Charger games uh, in the past thirty-five years, and uh, you know, uh, you know, right now they've they've gone through different styles of plays over time. They've been a more running team under Marty Schottenheimer, more passing team under Norv Turner and Mike McCoy. Uh, you know, I would I would describe the current style of play as like, holy shit, no lead is safe in the fourth quarter, uh, which I mean. You know, as as frustrating as it is for a fan, it's at least exciting in a way. So, you know, I think I think uh, I might prefer a team that was a little bit more consistent, but I'm going to give them a five out of ten in this category. Five out of ten. You know, I think that makes sense. I for, I've watched Charger games; they're generally interesting. I mean, the Chargers always seem to like my feeling is they sort of play to the level of their opponent, whether the opponent's good or whether they're bad. And, uh, you know, you get interesting games. Yeah, I mean, hence the Falcons and uh, Browns issue of yes. 2016. Yeah. Can't believe they lost to the Browns. All right. Uh, number 11. And our final rating before they get their final score, the first score in this podcast series. Wait, I think we have 12, don't we? Wow. All right. If you want to count 12 <laughs> as part of the team. Yeah. That's, yeah, we have to give that a number. Absolutely. All right. Whatever. 
First podcast, baby. What is interesting about this fan base? And now this is interesting. We don't know what the fan base is going to be like. It could be, it could be, I mean, they're in a 30,000 seat arena. Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing about the fan base right now is that there really is no fan base. I guess some San Diego fans are going to be following the team up north. Certainly some are. And, um, but, but I don't get the impression that there are a lot of uh, holdovers from the 1961 LA Chargers who have been just waiting for the team to come back. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm biased here, but I think that the most interesting thing about the LA Charger fan base at this point is that they are the third, maybe if you count UCLA and USC, the fifth most popular football team in Los Angeles which uh, is actually not a great thing about their fan base. So I think... Wait, who are the four above them? Definitely USC is number one. All right. UCLA. USC. UCLA, nobody cares about football. All right, let's... All right, all right. Let's say USC is number one. And let's say the Raiders are number two. Oh, the Raiders. The Rams, That's right. The Rams are number three. UCLA is number four. Maybe like the Cowboys are number five, the Steelers are number six, and the Chargers are number seven. I mean, I think the point is is that like I think this is a team in search of a fan base. I think they left their fan base. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, and and maybe this is a San Diego stereotype. Maybe it's not true, but I think LA fans are like um, notoriously fickle, leaving Dodger games at the seventh inning stretch. Whatever. Like I don't think I don't think that um, LA fans, much like San Diego fans, are like known as being die hard you know um will support the team even at their worst type of fans so uh i think you compound that with the fact that i just think that there are more popular teams in the area i don't think there's much of a fan base there right now and i think uh you know the idea behind this ranking is i want to uh be part of a team where like you could you could be a fan with pride and you're part of a fan community and there's something interesting and notable about those fans that make them different than other teams and i don't think the chargers have that right now uh... Yeah, it's an interesting thought. If the Chargers went to, or, you know, for their eight away games, like, how many away Chargers fans are there going to be at any game? Yeah, how many home Charger fans are there going to be at the home game? (laughs) I mean, I mean, you know, you know, certainly, I will, uh, I would bet any amount of money that there will be more Raider fans at the Raider game in Los Angeles than there will be Charger fans there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a two out of ten. Two out of ten. I think it's fair. All right, and the last controversial ranking for the team is the drink we are drinking for the team. What do you give the Moscow Mule? Well, uh, you know, uh I, I finished the Moscow Mule. It's a good drink. I think this is the first Moscow Mule I've ever had. I I enjoyed it, but um, you know, much much like being a Charger fan, it left me with a bitter taste in my mouth. Uh, so I think, I think, I think, much to the chagrin of the copper industry, I'm going to give the Moscow Mule that I just had a four out of ten. Wow, wow, well, it did lose a lot of popularity in the '60s. You know, people's taste evolved, Joe. So that's it. Let's see what your total score yeah, is. Yeah, I have not been the... keeping track, so I'm excited to hear what the actual uh, total is. So if they were given a 10 out of 10 on all 12 categories, they would have a 120, of course. The Chargers clock in with a 62. 
you know, right, right, just like everything else with the Chargers, right yes. down the middle, right down the middle, slightly above average. Uh, it it does seem at this point that a team will beat them, uh, and I don't even know how high they'll be on this list. But after going through and rating everything, Joe, do you think this team we're going to keep it in the maybe pile? Or we're just going to just say, this isn't going to be the team for you. Yeah. So, you know, process-wise, and this is our first episode, I think, you know, the plan here is to um, kind of go through a process of elimination. Say no to the teams that we certainly know are not going to be the team to root for. Um, and so I think the question is, do the LA Chargers stay on the list? Uh, are they a maybe or are they a solid no that won't be discussed again on the podcast? Yeah. And, uh, you know... I certainly have been thinking a lot about this, and I think that um, amongst my fellow Charger fans, I I know some who are they they still consider themselves Charger fans, uh, no matter where they play, uh, and you know I do still feel a certain amount of connection to the players, certainly. So I think uh, I am going to put them as a maybe for now, and not 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 ready to quite say no yet. So I'm going to keep them on the maybe list. All right, well, this is going against a podcast, Joe, if you're bringing your own personal thoughts into this. <laughs> okay, there and it may be. And I believe that's all the business we have to conduct for this podcast. Wow, our inaugural podcast, we made it through. So, so Dan, what team are we going to talk about next episode? That's right. One final uh, piece of business. So I have just entered all 32 teams minus San Diego – or. Los Angeles, sorry, into random.org, and I'm going to uh, pick whichever team uh, comes up. All right. And and our next podcast will be about, wow, oh my God, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns. Wow. 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 What an exciting, surely going to get the our uh, listenership up with that episode. I mean, I was hoping we could save the Browns for sweeps week, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, you know, if, if that's, if, if that's what's up next, then great. Uh, well, whatever. That'll be a quick one. <laughs> All right. See you, Joe. Thanks, Dan.